0: You know, we, do you think that's funny? I, I, I don't know. You, you can explain that one to me later. We've been teaching on the gifts of the Holy Spirit because there's serious lacking in the body of Christ in the church today with teaching on the Holy Spirit and His gifts. And um, am I on the right deal here for speaking? I, I, I understand they put me on one channel for singing and one channel for speaking. I don't understand any of it but I do want you to understand what I'm saying, <laughs> okay? You know, it, it's, it's amazing to me. Every time I start teaching on the Holy Ghost, there's such little amount of teaching on the gifts of the Spirit of God that oftentimes I find myself, if I'm not careful, I'll look out in the congregation, and people will look like a cow studying a new gate in the pasture, Have you ever? If you never raise cows, you don't know what I'm talking about. But you can go to a break in a fence and put a gate in, and cows that aren't used to that gate being there will walk up to it, and they will stare at it. Right? And it isn't like staring at it long enough is going to clear up the mystery, like, how'd this thing get here? Right? Well, the Holy Spirit, of all the things in the Bible, shouldn't be that way for the kingdom of God, but it is that way. And I'm going to tell you why. And I'm not trying to insult any pastor out there, but most pastors are afraid to touch the subject. They're fearful of it. It's kind of like teaching on the book of Revelation in Daniel, the end times. Have you ever noticed that if you're setting enough sessions on that with different, enough different pastors, preachers, and teachers, you'll get all kinds of interpretations out there. I just do the best I can with God's help to look at the Word of God and I ask the Holy Spirit questions, and the Holy Spirit helps me group the answers. That's all I can tell you. How many of you have got one of these answer sheets? How many of you need one? Randy, you, have you got a bunch of those? Have we got enough of those? Can we pass those out? Randy, there might be over there on that little table. And I've I've got to get the time here to get these out to you. And you need to hang on to these because this is different. This is different than any Bible study we've ever done. We give out the questions and the answers ahead of time. Just promise me you won't overglue on the page and not hear what I got to say, all right? We're going to look at the page, and we're going to move through it, and then we're going to get right to the additional teaching for this week. Anybody who needs a copy, Randy's moving like greased lightning, right, Randy? (laughs) Sister Gloria right here needs one. Anybody else need one? Randy's getting close. Don't be afraid to wave at him. You're not going to scare him. In the first three questions on this study sheet, it's the most spiritually logical way that I can begin to teach people about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The first question is, name the three gifts that reveal something. That makes it so easy when you look at all nine of the gifts, you go, well, there, there must be three gifts that have revelation to them. You pick the three out, and it goes like this. A word of wisdom. A word of wisdom from God tells you something you don't already know, Right? So that is a revelation. Number two, the second one was the word of knowledge. Uh, the second part of question number one is word of knowledge because God gives a little piece of his knowledge to you. A word of wisdom is where God gives you a little piece of the future because only in God is the, fu- in the wisdom of God is the future known. Does that make sense? And then the discerning of spirits is the ability to see into the spiritual realm, Right? Uh, you might be praying for somebody. Maybe, maybe you're used to being used in a word of knowledge where the Holy Spirit rises up on you, the inside of you and says, this person's problem is caused by demonic influence. Then you would know how to pray, wouldn't you? And you'd just cast that thing out and deal with it. Amen? And I'm telling you that when you're praying for somebody, you're laying hands on them, and the Holy Ghost speaks on the inside of you, it causes faith to rise up on the inside of you. It's not like God's going to say, this is demonically uh, caused... And then fold his hands and say, but I'm not going to help you with it. I'm not going to. You can pray all you want in the name of Jesus. I'm not going ca- to help you cast that thing out. God's not like that, is he? That's not the way the gifts of the Holy Spirit work. They work complete. They don't work incomplete. Amen. So these reveal something. Word of wisdom reveals something. Word of knowledge reveals something. Discerning of spirits reveals something. Number two. Name the three gifts that do something. I'm telling you, we're on this first one today, the gift of faith. The gift of faith will do something. Amen. The working of miracles will do something. The gifts of healings will do something, right? And and we we call them the gifts that do something. All right. There's three of them. And then the third one is name the three gifts that say something. So I just fish through in First Corinthians chapter twelve and Find the three gifts that takes words to, to get them out or to be used or to do them. Name the three gifts that say something. Prophecy, diverse kinds of tongues, and interpretation of tongues. All right, number four. Guidance by an inward witness is a supernatural manifestation of which gift? Of the Spirit. This is simply an example of being led by the Spirit of God, not necessarily attributed to a specific gift of the Spirit of God. Why is that important? That's important because how many of you know not everybody out there is filled with the Holy Ghost to overflowing, all right? So does that mean they can never be led by the Spirit of God? That is a lie. To say that that person can never be led by the Spirit of God is not true because the Bible is replete with stories about people being led by the Spirit of God by an inner witness, just by an inner witness. You know what I'm saying? Man, I'm telling you, I'll tell you once again, I remember um, Lester Summerall told me when he was a very young man, he was at a Pentecostal meeting in London, England. He said, I've never been to a dryer meeting in my life. He said, it was dead. There was nothing going on. Here we were, supposedly a bunch of spirit-filled Christians. And he said, nothing was happening. All of a sudden, there was a rumor that 20 miles down the road, a young evangelist by the name of Billy Graham was preaching. He said, man, a whole bunch of us got together. We're sneaking out the back. And he said, we got caught. They said, where are you going? We're going down the road to hear Billy Graham. Why would you want to go hear Billy Graham speak? He's not even a spirit-filled Christian. He's not even a spirit-led Christian. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, Billy Graham was one of the most spirit-led individuals of the last century. Amen? I mean, that guy, that guy was singularly anointed by God. He knew the words to say that were inflamed by the Holy Spirit, that were caught fire by the Holy Spirit, and the greatest miracles happened in his meetings where thousands to even millions in his lifetime came to know Jesus as Lord. Let's don't get this out of whack here. Let's don't get this out of balance here. The greatest miracle of all is when someone kneels at that altar and gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ. But do we want to limit God? We don't want to limit God either. Amen? So let's let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. Number five, how is saving faith given to a person? Well, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. So we know in the Bible that everybody, if they will exercise it, has been given enough faith by God to accept him as Savior of their lives. Amen? Everyone has faith, can you say amen, if they will only exercise it. Why do you think Peter said in one of his opening of his letters, may may faith be multiplied to you? What is he saying? He's saying that your faith can grow, amen? That's the faith that God's given you can grow on the inside, amen? I like that. Number six, special faith, though, is something other than general faith or saving faith. What is it? Now, here's the definition I've written. It is the supernatural manifestation of the Holy Spirit whereby a believer is empowered with special faith or wonder-working faith that goes beyond saving faith. It goes beyond saving faith. Number seven, how do all the gifts of the Spirit operate? How do they operate? By faith. You know, if it wasn't for the sovereignty of God... Some people in their lives would never see anything about the hand of God if it wasn't for sovereignty, but faith moves God. Amen? So when I say, am I exaggerating when I say that everything that we get from God is by faith? I don't care whether it's healing. I don't care whether it's salvation. I don't care. I don't care what it is. I, it, the infilling of the Holy Ghost to overflowing. It's by faith. It's by faith, amen, and we've all got it, right? Someone asked me one time, "Well, the Holy Spirit that comes to live on the inside of me, um, when, I get, when I got saved, is it a different Holy Spirit that comes to me when I get baptized in the Holy Ghost?" And the answer is absolutely not. Same identical Holy Ghost, but more of it. When you get filled with the Holy Ghost to overflowing, it, you can't the container isn't big enough to hold him. It, amen. It's going to overflow. Amen. But it's the same Holy Ghost you got on the day you got saved. Don't get hung up on things. Don't let the devil mess with you and keep you from something really dynamic in the Word of God over a little bit of confusion. All right? Number seven or number eight, what is the difference between the working of miracles and the gift of faith? The gift of faith is the gift of the Spirit by which a believer might receive a miracle. I, write, I wrote this word in, passive, it's passive. I'm going to prove it to you. Doesn't that sound weird that you can passively receive a, you know, a miracle from God? And then the working of miracles is so that one might work miracles. It's active, takes action, takes you doing something on your part, all right? I'll, and I'm going to prove it to you. Now, why didn't I write that last question that way? I wrote that last question that way because I have found that in teaching on the gifts of the Spirit over the years, it helps when you're teaching on one of the gifts to find the, another gift that is very closely related. But works just a little bit different. And you look at the two. Just like I said to you in last weeks. You're praying for somebody who's been sick for a long time. And you've laid hands on them. And laid hands on them. And prayed for them. And prayed for them. And prayed for them. Prayed for them cancer or whatever. And all of a sudden. The Holy Spirit rises up on the inside of you. And reveals to you. That this is demonically caused. Is that. Is that uh, discerning of spirits, or is it or is it a word of knowledge? It's a word of knowledge. Why? Because you did not see. You did not. It, the, the word discern, discerning of spirits, is about seeing into the spiritual realm. And, and you know what? I've got to quit using that example, and I'll tell you why. We tend to believe it's all about seeing what demons are doing, and it's not. How do you think Moses saw God in the Old Testament? It, it's not just seeing demonic activity. It's about seeing Jesus. How do you think that Paul saw Jesus? After he had died, was resurrected, ascended to the Father, seated at the right hand. How do you think that Paul saw Jesus? Because he saw him. The Bible says he saw him. By discerning of spirits, seeing into the spiritual realm. And Jesus by the power of the Spirit fed him two-thirds of the New Testament. So don't tell me he didn't see him. Don't tell me that. The Word of God is, ex- is, is replete with examples. And Paul talked about it. He said, like an apostle born out of time, he saw the Lord. Well, all the rest of the apostles uh, that were with Jesus saw him when he was alive. Paul could not have seen him when he was alive. Really didn't know a whole lot about him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Only that he was convinced that Jesus was not the Son of God. Okay? But it was by the uh, this gift of the Holy Spirit uh, he was able to see discerning of spirits and in the spiritual realm he could see Jesus. And if you have a vision today of Jesus and he speaks to you, don't, don't flush the toilet on it. I mean, you know, don't reject it. Don't say it didn't happen. Amen? Thank God that the Holy Ghost is using you. Amen? He's... He's flowing through you. He's doing things in your life. You know, I've had people say, you know, I, I had this such and such happen. I go, well, you know what that was, don't you? That was, that was the Holy Ghost in his gifts. And they didn't, even, they didn't have any idea that the Holy Ghost had just used them and just spoke to them. We're, we're learning about that. Now, the gift of faith compared to the working of miracles. That's what we're going to talk about a little bit here. The gift of faith is different from the working of miracles, although, although both gifts produce miracles. Just by the very, look at the names. Working of miracles, gift of faith, miracles happen. Amen? All right. However, one of them is active and one of them is passive. The working of miracles takes action. It actively works a miracle. The gift of faith does not work a miracle, but passively receives a miracle. Do you ever get confused by everything I'm saying? It's kind of easy to do, right? But it isn't until we get to the word of God that we see clearly, amen? What? Follow with me now. In other words, the difference between the working of miracles and the gift of faith is that the gift of the working of miracles actively includes doing something and the gift of special faith passively receives. Now, get ready, get ready when daniel was in the lion's den he received a miracle are you following with me see once again we got to go to the old testament to get our first real good glimpse amen of the gift of faith what exactly could daniel do in the lion's den what what was he going to do i mean you know he went in there I've even seen the most beautiful paintings and renderings of Daniel in the lion's den, and we know that the Bible tells us uh, that he laid down and went to sleep. Now, that's passive, amen? I mean, you, you let me eat something I'm not supposed to eat for I go to bed and I lose sleep, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I don't lay down and, and, and get restful, peaceful sleep. If someone said something about me that day that I I didn't like, I don't sleep well. I mean, we can all be that way, can't we? Daniel walked into the lion's den, and he passively laid down, and he went to sleep. Am I right or wrong? When Daniel was in the lion's den, he received a miracle. In those days, as well as throughout history, There have been those who were thrown in with lions, and the lions did what lions do. (laughs) Right? Why didn't the lions eat Daniel? Well, you got to look at Daniel chapter 6, verse 23. Daniel 6, verse 23. In the English Standard Version, which I, I don't care for as much as I like the King James Version, but I'll tell you. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. I like that, but the King James Version I like better. Then was the king exceeding glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed in his God. I like that. Because he believed in his God. The gift of faith rose up on the inside of him. You say, well, how do you know? It was the, gift? the man laid down and went to sleep. That's not natural, right? That's supernatural. It's supernatural. Was Daniel special? You better bet he was. Daniel was special. But in the light of being used or the holy spirit working in his life is he any different than me and you how many times have i told you if you want to learn about the gifts of the spirit of god you got to look through the old testament and you'll find those are not just you know special you know things that happen to these special people they are god's way of showing us how the gifts of his spirit work amen well, is that our only example? Let me finish this. There's no doubt in my mind that God gave Daniel special faith, a special manifestation of this gift of the Spirit to receive his deliverance. Daniel didn't do anything except lay down sleep, and believe God, amen? Now, there's the proof of the pudding. You can wave your arms all you want and scream, I believe God, I believe God, you know? But then to lay down and go to sleep, and I still love that painting. I don't know that it happened, but Daniel laid down and used a lion as a pillow. He leaned back and reclined on a lion. That's one of my favorite paintings on earth. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but man, that's special faith right there. Amen? That's special faith. Now let's look at Mark chapter 4, verse 38. I'll give you a chance to go there. Got to look at Mark 438 I'm going to take a sip of this real quick while you turn there. Mark four thirty-eight, because this one's real important. Are you ready? Let's do it. Mark four thirty-eight. But he was in the stern. Who was he? Jesus. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Say, so, well, well, you know, he was Jesus. He's, he's the son of God. That's why he could fall asleep. Do you understand that Jesus was setting an example for us about how the gifts of the spirit of God operate? I want you to see something with me here. We're, we're going we're to light your fire here in a second. Deadly circumstances were going on all around, yet Jesus, like Daniel, slept through the life-threatening conditions. Am I right or wrong? if you separate out those two events and call them anything other than the Holy Ghost working, you're making a mistake. You're making a big mistake. You can't do it. Both of them went to sleep because of the kind of faith that was operating in their lives. All right? Jesus voluntarily... Oh, however, I believe Jesus did the things he did in his life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Am I making that clear? Jesus voluntarily stripped himself of what power he had as the Son of God when he came to this earth. Well, you say, well, then, Brother Dennis, how did he do all those things that he did? How do you think he did it? He did it in a way to set an example for us. Did he not say the greater things would we do than he did when he was here, right? How are we going to do that? A lot of people just dismiss that. Well, I'm never going to be good enough. Guess what? You're absolutely right. You're never going to be good enough. But it not always based on how good you are. Based on how good the Holy Ghost is. And whether or not he wants to use you or not. Because we've proved it in the word of God. He uses who he wants to use. He uses who he wills. And he distributes the gifts as he wills. Isn't that what the Bible says? Philippians chapter 2 verse 7. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. That was Jesus. He could have come in all of that power. He could have come in all of that majesty, amen, that was just son of God stuff. Son of God stuff that we would never have, but that's not what he came like, amen? It says he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. Throughout the Bible, we see how the gift of faith worked primarily for people who were in danger. Say, well, Jesus didn't act like he was in danger at all. Well, neither did Daniel. Did Daniel act like, man, I really hope this works. <laughs> he didn't say that he laid there and he didn't sleep, chewed his nails all night long. No. He said he laid down and he went to sleep. Amen? And through this gift of the Spirit, they possessed a faith and even calmness and quiet assurance that was supernatural. As we said earlier, the working of miracles employs faith that actively works a miracle, but the gift of faith passively expects a miracle you're getting the active and passive separation now active and passive for example it was by the gift of faith that the patriarchs of old would lay hands on their children and pronounce a blessing on them which would not come to pass until many years later yet they're about to die bring me bring me my firstborn son going to lay hands on them. Do you ever wonder why we don't do that anymore? Because we did not understand the importance of it. We stopped understanding the importance of speaking blessings over our children and then laying our head to rest in death knowing that God was going to take care of my children for generations to come. That only comes by the gift of uh, supernatural faith. To know that God's going to be working off of the words you spoke for generations to come. That is supernatural faith that we need to get a hold of. It's the reason why families in this country today are as messed up as they're messed up. Because we have forgotten that the power of God is available to us to help us raise our our generations to come. Amen? I want to talk for a minute or two about Smith Wigglesworth and the gift of faith. Uh, Wigglesworth said that if you come to the end of your ordinary faith, very often this supernatural gift of special faith will take over. Could it be possible that one reason more people don't see the manifestation of special faith operating in their lives is that they don't first use what faith they already have? They don't even... I'm telling you that the times that special faith has rose up on the inside of me was because I grabbed that little bottle of anointing oil out of my pocket, took the cap off of it, anointed a head, lay hands on them, and I just started praying. In faith, in the name of Jesus, and special faith, follows it's where faith rises up on the inside of you where you know that you know that you know that you know you can say it loud and i start to say loud and proud but let's leave the word proud out of it loudly that god god is on the scene and you are healed that's special faith that's special faith i i talked to a pastor down in mississippi he said you know one of the big things in my life, I was 27 years old. I'm pastoring this great big church. He said, I'm in a board meeting. And one of, my, one of the men in my church owned this company. And a big company came along and just shoved him out of business and treated him very, very badly. And then they went to court. And for years, it was a big giant with a whole lot of lawyers versus one little man and a little company and one country lawyer. That's it. He said, we were about to... We're about to wrap up a business meeting, a board meeting. And God told me, God told me on the inside, call brother so-and-so and tell him that by this time tomorrow, his case will be settled in his favor. He said, I'm 27 years old. I don't know any better. I jerked the phone up. I called him brother, Den- brother so-and-so. He said, "My uh, God has spoke to me, and this time tomorrow, your case is going to be settled, and it's going to be in your favor. He said, it wasn't until I hung the phone up <laughs> that I realized what I had said. He said, but either God spoke or God didn't speak, right? But 4 o'clock the next afternoon, the phone rang. He said, this man on the other end is shouting so loud, I can't make out what he's saying, but I knew God had intervened. God settled the case, and it changed his leadership position in that church. Do you understand what I'm saying? It changed his life as a pastor. Under Wigglesworth's ministry, how many of you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Raise your hand. All right. He he lived in the early, you know, his ministry was at a peak in the early 1900s, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Been credited with several people raised from the dead, one of them being his wife. And I'm telling you, she got angry about it. She got angry. Man, he done called her back from heaven. And she was madder than a wet hen in a rainstorm. Let me tell you because she was in heaven and he called her back and she was spitting mad about it, right? Anyway, um, there was an incident involving a man named Mr. Mitchell. I want to turn here into this and, and read to you a quote from Smith Wigglesworth. As Wigglesworth hurried to Mitchell's house, he heard screaming coming from the house. This was a man he had prayed for just the day before that was sick. On the way into Mr. Mitchell's room, he passed Mrs. Mitchell, who was crying, he's gone, he's gone. And Wigglesworth related his experience. And this is from his journal. I just passed Mrs. Mitchell and went into the room, and immediately I saw that Mitchell had gone. I could not understand it, but I began to pray. My wife was always afraid that I would go too far. <laughs> I think that's funny. And she laid hold of me and said, Dad, don't, don't, don't you see he's dead. But I continued praying. I got as far as I could with my own faith. Then God laid hold of me. Oh, it was such a laying hold that I could believe for anything. The faith of the Lord Jesus laid hold of me and a solid peace came into my heart and I shouted, He lives, He lives, He lives. And he got up from the bed. Hmm. Receiving the dead raised back to life again is beyond anyone's ordinary faith. In our ordinary faith, we could try what Wigglesworth did. We could pull him to walk, but that doesn't mean he would begin to walk. Why? Because it takes a supernatural manifestation of God's power to receive a miracle such as this. Can you say amen? One other quick Wigglesworth story because I love love reading about what he wrote about the Holy Spirit. He went to this is why his wife would get upset with him He went to a funeral man's laying dead in the coffin up front said so the holy spirit told him go up there and pray for that man i'm gonna raise him from the dead now wigglesworth was just like that he, the holy ghost spoke to him where your mom and daddy would tell you what to do you understand what i'm saying you know if they loved you right so he said i, I didn't mess around he said i got up i ran everybody out of the room i kept two men with me he said i ran everybody else out of the room He said, and we hauled that man's dead body out of that coffin. And we held him up against the wall, and we pushed him up there. And he said, we prayed for him, and we commanded him to live. Amen? And we stepped back and let go, and the man crumpled to the floor. Now, I don't know about you. About this time, I'm dusting him off. I'm laying him in the coffin. You know what I'm saying? I'm apologizing to everybody, and I'm slipping out the back, and they proceed and bury the guy, right? Not Smith Wigglesworth. He said, pick him up again. Picked him up again, pressed him up against the wall, and the three men went to praying, commanded him to, to live, stepped back, let him go, and he crumpled to the floor again. Now I'm really putting him back. You understand what I'm saying? No, not Smith Wilkinsworth. He picked him up again, pressed him up against the wall, and I don't know how many times he did it. But finally, the man started coughing and, and, and hacking a little bit and breathing, and he lived. He walked away from that church that day. Now, you can say all you want, oh, that didn't happen. Well, you can say that, but you're missing out on a great blessing, not, not trusting and believing that man of God, even though he's gone, he's in glory, he's looking down on us today from glory, right? And I'm telling you, there's not many men in this world that we have the history of, of raising anybody from the dead. They, they argue, the theologians and scholars argue about whether or not it was more or not, but it was at least three one of them being his wife that was confirmed. Mitchell was one. And this guy at this funeral one day. Wow. I'm impressed. All right. want we'll to talk about the power gifts real quick. All three of them. Why do I want to do that? I want to do that because, like I say, once again, you, you've got to forgive me when I go to clumping them together because... What have I tried to tell you? I separate them so that I can give them definitions for you to understand how they work, but I've told you over and over again, they overlap. They overlap with subtle differences, all right? As we've already stated, many times you'll see that the power gifts, the gifts of faith, gifts of healing, the working of miracles work together. In the case of raising the dead, listen to this, in the case of raising the dead, all three of these gifts must Operate together. Does that make sense to you? I mean, we're talking about a pretty major miracle for somebody who was once living, who has died, to come back and live in this realm again, right? All right. This is most likely why we don't see many people raised from the dead in the day and age in which we live. First of all, in raising the dead it takes supernatural or special faith to call a person's spirit back into their body. Then it takes the working of miracles because the body has suffered deterioration. I don't care how long it's been dead. Once blood starts moving through the body, it starts to deteriorate. Am I right or wrong? Then it takes the gifts of healings because if the person who was raised from the dead wasn't healed, whatever they died from could still affect their body. Am I right or wrong? I mean, it is, it's what I call spiritual common sense. Does that make sense to you? All right. That's, I think that's a pretty good definition of why it takes all three gifts of the Spirit in operation at the same time. It ain't ordinary faith that raises people from the dead. Amen? I mean, Jesus was pretty adept at it, and that's the part of him being Jesus that helped him a lot. Amen? How about casting out demons? How many of you have ever been actively involved in casting out a demon? Serious stuff, is it? I, I remember the first time I, I saw a genuinely demon-possessed person, I was in my 20s. And um I was pretty young, you know. But I was with a bunch of guys in their 40s and 50s, been serving God all their lives. And, and in the name of Jesus, we took care of business. Amen. But I've learned a lot about casting out demons since then. Another area where the gift of faith operates together with other gifts of the spirit is in the area of casting out evil spirits. In casting out demons, the gift of discerning of spirits and or the gift of the word of knowledge as well as the gift of faith are in operation. We can't deal with the devil in our own strength. Can you say amen? That's what happened to the seven sons of Sceva. They wanted to show off. They wanted to catch seven brothers and they all got whooped by the, the, the one demon. You know, how many times have we read in the Bible? Well, let's see. Jesus I know real well. <laughs> Paul, I know, but you, I don't know you, you know, and then respond accordingly, all right? We can't deal with the devil in our own strength, but God has given us his word, his word, his power, his authority, and all we will ever need to enforce Satan's defeat in our lives. He's given us all we'll ever need. Really, in reality, we are without excuse, amen? And a major part of that arsenal is the supernatural gift of special faith. So, to encapsulate, the gift of faith can be used to cast out demons, raise the dead, and to supernaturally sustain a person beyond the ability of ordinary faith. Amen? All right, for the purposes of the gift of faith. As previously mentioned, the working of miracles is more of an action, whereas the gift of faith is more of a process. In other words, the working of miracles would perform a miracle, but the gift of faith would receive a miracle. So in closing, watch this with me. First, we've seen the gift of faith in operation in receiving blessings or the fulfillment of human utterances as in the cases of the patriarchs of old, have we not? The gift of faith rises up on the inside of you. you laying hands on your kids and you're praying for them before you leave this world. It's the gift of faith. You want some supernatural faith, amen, when you're praying over your children. Second, we've seen how this gift of faith was manifested for personal protection in perilous circumstances, such as in the case of Daniel in the lion's den. Third, this gift of faith was manifested for supernatural sustenance in time of famine. We can see this, for example, in the case of Elijah when he was fed by ravens in 1 Kings seventeen three through 6. What did he? He was surprised, wasn't he, to be fed by ravens? So it's a gift of faith. It, it, it was passive. I mean, they brought him the food, right? Ravens brought him the food. That that's that's something. That's supernatural gift of faith. Amen. He didn't do anything but sit down hungry. Amen. And the ravens came and brought him food. Uh, fourth, the gift of faith has been employed in the raising of the dead. Fifth, it's used in the casting out used in casting out demons. Amen? I wanted you to do something with me. Something just dropped on the inside of me. We're going to do something here. I want you to look at John chapter 1 with me. Matter of fact, go to John chapter 2. I'm going to tell you something because I've been praying about this for a while. And uh, we're going to close right after this. In in John chapter 2, Right at the top of the chapter is there a title there in your Bibles. What does it say? Or the wedding at Cana, right? Well, look, on the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited into the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour's not yet come. My hour's not yet come. the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first. And when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. Hey, Jesus did things right. Amen? <laughs> right? Uh, this, the first of his signs. Now, am I mistaken? Or did I just read that this was Jesus' first public miracle? Now, he may have done other miracles, but I'm not aware of them. Right? Right? Watch this with me. Turn back to John chapter 1 and what significant thing happened. John chapter 1, you think it's about John the Baptist, but it's not. John chapter 1, verse 29. And the next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him. And this is one of these things that gets in me and chokes me. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The miracle in John chapter 2 did not happen until after The Holy Spirit had descended upon him in John chapter 1. And it is not a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. Do you understand me? It's important that we do not diminish the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit to overflowing. Jesus, and when I tell you Jesus did these miracles, he did because the Holy Ghost had come upon him. I'm not lying to you. His first public miracle did not happen until right after he was baptized and the dove descended upon him. I'm just saying, I think it's worth pondering. Amen? It's worth thinking about. Do you know God loves you? Do you know Sister Ruth and I love you? Ruthie, come here. Yeah, Sister Wigglesworth response here is what we're going to get now. I I just want her to stand by me and take me by the hand. Do you realize that when she and I pray together, it's exponentially more powerful prayer? Amen? I love you so much. Please forgive me for the times that I have taught and I got carried away and you know, I believe God's helping me teach this differently now. Would you agree? In, in ways that we can start to grasp pieces of it and, and let it start to sink on the inside of us. And, and we're going to probably have to at some time or another open the floor to questions and do the best we can to answer them. How about that? All right? But right now, I just want to pray for us that God, you know, we need to be open to everything that the Holy Ghost is. Amen? And everything that he wants to do. And uh, when I tell you that Jesus Christ did things that he did in his earthly ministry that set an example for us and said greater things will we do, if, until we grasp this, we'll never see it. We've got to grasp this thing about the Holy Spirit or we won't see those things. And I warn you, the whole time that you start being used by the Holy Spirit and his gifts, always give the glory to God because the Holy Spirit will get quiet on you in a heartbeat. I saw some people look at me kind of funny when I said this one time. But I warned you that if the Holy Spirit used you and speaking through you, when you don't respond well to that and you respond selfishly and in the flesh, the Holy Spirit will back up and get very quiet because he wants you to go to heaven. He's not going to feed your flesh and he is not going to share the glory of God with you. Not going to do it. Amen? That's what I meant when I said the Holy Spirit wants you to go to heaven. You'll back up and get real quiet. It's why most churches in America don't have a genuine move of the Holy Spirit and his gifts because they don't know how to handle it. So stand with me. I need to pray for all of us. Father, in Jesus' name, as Ruth and I stand here holding hands, united in prayer, in the name of Jesus, you've called us to pastor this church. Thank you, Father, for the people in this room that have accepted us as the pastor of this church. and They love us and they're praying for us. And of course, Father, we're praying for them. Father, I, 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 just, I don't believe uh, that the people in this fellowship are having trouble starting to understand this at all. I believe that you're showing us the need for churches in this land that will allow the Holy Spirit to move mightily. We won't touch the glory. We give all the credit to you, Father. It's you, it's your Holy Ghost, it's His gifts. Father, forgive us for the times in our life where we felt a little puffed up in our relationship with you because we were beginning to think that we were a little special. Father, it's all about your glory, it's all about you, it's not even about us. We thank you that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and that you raised Him from the dead. But, Father, it was all about you showing your glory to a lost and dying world. Thank you for saving us, Father. Thank you, Father, for your Holy Spirit and his gifts. Thank you for him being a teacher. Father, may we be very careful, very sensitive, Lord, to the leading of your Spirit in our lives. And we pay attention that there are times when you just want to take our faith and you want to blow it up, magnify it make it supernatural father rising up on the inside of it's like that phone call i got from ruthie's grandmother when our firstborn baby boy was in surgery and the doctors had told us he would have to have surgeries throughout his lifetime on his problem and that grandmother got a hold of me at midnight on a, in a phone booth how in the world she found me i don't know in a phone booth grandma told me son I have heard from God and he told me to tell you your son will never have to be operated on for this problem again in his lifetime and he is 40-something years old and has never had to see another doctor. Mm. Thank you for the Holy Spirit and his gifts. Father, I want to turn this prayer time momentarily to a reminder. This church is a church, like all other churches, we've been called to go and make disciples. It doesn't just say go and see the lost saved. It doesn't mean going out there and giving birth to a newborn baby in Christ and leaving them on the sidewalk to bake alone and die. It says make disciples. So, Father, help us to continue to teach your word. Help us to continue to be open to your word, Father. Show us these powerful things in your word, Father. And may we be faithful to seek you for help in living them out. Father, you're so gracious and good to us. Thank you for everybody in this room today. May they feel the love and the presence of your spirit with us. Thank you, Father, for not only being with us in this place today, but it doesn't have to end here. We can carry this same air of worship and presence right into our own homes. Lord, may everyone who visits our dwelling places sense the presence of your Spirit there. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen. God bless you. Fellowship together before you leave this place.